When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mix of Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lossless Lou. I have not lost a thing yet. <laughs> Hear that HD, high quality, Lossless Lou. Uh, I big am shout a pre-mastered voice. What was that Instagram account? Make Profit Mixing? Oh, Profit Mixing. Profit Mixing. Uh, shout out to him for sending us a long list of Options. of Lou nicknames. We have a few other people as well from Discord that contributed some nicknames for Lou. Um, let's. I think there was a few. Thank you for uh, reaching out. Let me hold on. Let me find this list real quick from OK Baby Music and. Oh yeah, OK Baby Music did a bunch on Discord. Damn, I need to get back on Discord. I haven't There's installed Discord lot. on my new phone, and I'm looking at a list of like 20 of them from one person. Yeah, there's a lot. So appreciate all the love. Um, we have, so today we're going with Lossless Lou. Thank you so much for reaching out for that. But uh, today's episode is an interesting one. Um, we're taking ideas and snippets from other episodes, meaning that we've we've touched on this topic before, but today we're going a little bit deeper into it. And this is going to be an interesting episode because I want to talk about genre cultures. Oh, yeah. So mixing cultures between genres, as well as Lou wants to get into a little bit of uh, how to use reference tracks. Yeah, uh, these like are, listening for tonalities. Yeah, so I think that this is something that Lou and I talk about a lot, and this is something that I make a big deal of um, when I do my Monday night live streams where I'm either mixing a song or doing some feedback. Uh, Monday nights on my Twitch, you can go to uh, links.dkmixes.com to go to my Twitch or twitch.tv backslash dkmixes, D-E-K-E-I, mixes. Um, But anyway, um, I talk a lot about tonalities and genre cultures and intention, which goes into intention. Like if you intend your music to sound like a, an era mix, like an era record, like you want it to sound Michael Jackson, that's going to drastically affect the general tonality of the mix. Um, even with the same instrumentation as something else. So like, um, absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk about genre cultures here. And, and um, this idea came to me from the first time that I ever heard this was at Mixed with the Masters with Leslie, and he talked about the culture of trap music and the current trends, trends of pop music in general. Um, and he talked about that quite often, showing that this is something that he studies and that he picks up on um, with new songs and new trends in the music industry. As right now, you've seen a lot of UK drill that's happening in the hip-hop scene right now. Um, there's lots of uh, different trends that happen over the course of time. Um, and then there are artists. So most, I would say that most independent artists um, try to follow tr- uh, trends 
And even if they pretend, even if they say, I'm not really trying to follow a trend, I think it's pretty obvious that everybody's influenced by somebody and follows trends. If you're downloading a YouTube type beat, that argument is null and void. Yeah. So, yeah, downloading YouTube type beat, so, which is not bad, right? So, I think it's kind of like the argument of just briefly, this is a tangent here, but the argument of Donda versus uh, CLB by Drake. Where, Two completely different albums. Let's let's look at their 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 shoes, right? So this is an idea. I met someone, an artist named Jimmy, at this event that Bob Horn was hosting this last week, and we had we hit it off really well. Like he was an artist, like a visual artist, and um, he talked about um, how. We were talking a little bit about the dispute between these two albums, and I, I brought up the idea of there's two types of artists. There's one artist that is uh, very consistent and makes really good music, and then there's the other type of artist that makes new waves. Very creative, very groundbreaking, and a lot of people follow in that direction. And I said Kanye was very groundbreaking and new, and Drake was just Drake. It's really great. And he, he described it in a couple different words. Um, he said about Drake, he said, you can tell by the way they make their shoes. They have their shoes, right? So Drake with Nike. Nike uses the same exact silhouettes just in different colorways trying to get people on. But the one thing that it is, is absolutely reliable. On the other hand, Yeezys, where they're a little bit more weird and groundbreaking shoe designs, different shoe designs. And then he says, uh, but you don't wear Yeezys every day. You wear your Nikes most days. It's very reliable. So there's a need for both sides. It's not one side is better than the other. So um, we, I'm not saying that we don't want to say follow trends, but we want you to at least be aware of trends, whether you're breaking them or following them. You might be too young for this, but do you remember 50 Cent versus Kanye? Not fully. There, there was like, a, 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 if I'm remembering this right, but from what I remember... They both released an album the same day or relatively close to the same day as each other. And whoever was uh, victorious would continue doing music and the other person would retire. It was essentially the running, uh, you know, bet. Now, the funny thing is, you could say the same thing about 50 Cent versus Kanye. 50 Cent wasn't necessarily groundbreaking. He was just really good for that time. But once his time was out, he's out. It's not like he continued. Kanye continued creating his own sound. Yeah, so um, either way, regardless of whichever type of artist you are or producer you are, um, oftentimes producers have to do both. They have to be able to be groundbreaking, um, but they also have to be able to follow trends. This is a very common thing. We need, even at a very high label level, it's not very uncommon to hear, like, we need a BTS-type record. Oh, yeah, all the time. We need a, you know, and, and with your own spin on it. So um, let's talk about genre cultures as far as mixing. Sure. Um, the one thing that I always bring up, and I think this is, this is funny, um, in trap music, Alex Tume kind of coined, um, that snares and hi-hats are loud, you know? I mean, there it's, it's a culture thing, but he kind of like said it out loud, at least as far as I know, um, and kind of made it a thing before all the younger generations. So like the, the people on the come up. So they started like, uh, even Nels is very much influenced by Alex Tume saying that. So. Uh, hi-hats and snares are loud in trap music very very loud um, do you know what other artist or genre is loud hi-hats Stevie Wonder Stevie Wonder's yeah. hi-hats are so damn loud but Off- that's the groove that's actually what's pushing the music there you go so um, 
is Which, one... same thing for trap. Same thing for trap. Exactly, exactly. What are some uh, mixing? I mean, and we talk about this too. Like uh, in rock music, it's less bass and less treble and more mid range. Yep. Where trap and music vocals and... tend to be more in the mix versus on top of the mix. Yeah, as well. And then pop music, depending if it's a vocalist, then usually the vocals are on top a little bit more. Yep. Um, if it's a very large production, uh, it might be a little bit more mid scoop, just a touch. But uh, not as much as trap music. Trap music is very mid-scooped. Sometimes a little harsh. Yeah, and uh, this is incredible. Yeah, in, in hip-hop music, vocals, in trap music specifically, vocals are very bright. And for some reason, there's this trend of absolutely no low-end. Yeah, I, I've noticed that when I had to mix uh, trap records for clients, um, I'll, I'll reference different people. But um, the funny thing is, I tend to roll off around like 200 hertz sometimes and then i'll actually make up for that low end by adding some like low mid saturation to actually get a little more of that presence back in the low mids but outside of that like there there tends to be nothing under like 180 yeah and i think that trap this is an opinion that might upset some people but i'd like to have this conversation i'd like to have this conversation i'm open-minded to be different here but Open your ears. I do not think the current generation of trap mixing, most of these big, big records, I would say is not a very good example of good mixing. You know, um, I'll say this. Like, there's a lot of artists that branched out of trap. Um, like, because correct me if I'm wrong, because I could totally be wrong on this. You know, I'm not a huge trap guy. But Young Thug came from trap, basically, right? Well, like, I mean, around yeah. that kind of sound. But uh, he's more kind of pop sounding nowadays in that same lane, though. Uh, but his mixing has gotten significantly better. They've gotten him sounding very, very smooth and everything. But that's not characteristic of trap itself. Yeah, I would say that kind of trap was this cool revolution in the industry where low budget get the most out of the least, you yep. know, and um, it kind of changed the mixing game a little bit. I feel like because of trap music and the rise of popularity of trap music engineering standards and expectations went down significantly yeah that's that's where for me i wasn't really into it because every time i did hear a production and they're like wow this sounds amazing and i'm like sitting there listening to it i'm like i is this am am i that far out of tune with the culture right now so and i have a couple reasons why one is within a genre um within a genre usually the types of mixes are not that different within a culture. With trap music, sometimes people get very dark, and sometimes people get money on the grave, just just absolutely hissy, destroying your eardrums, yeah. like type mixes. Oh yeah, and so it's it's way too diverse. It doesn't really feel like it doesn't feel intentional. It doesn't feel like anybody's doing it. With with purpose in mind, in the most part. Now, there are really great mixers within the trap world, but I think that part of the reason why expectation has gone down is is not because it's become so much more accessible. Um, and many of the big records that got big were just so low quality. Mm-hmm. I think it's also partially because of the nature of trap music. Trap music has the most minimum instrumentation. I mean, mixing trap music is so easy because it is almost impossible to get a vocal to clash 
with the instrumentation of a trap beat. There's True. too few elements. Unless, unless the sample itself is clashing, but even then, not that hard to correct. It's yeah, just a single sample. And most of the time in trap music, the sample is the quietest part. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and because of that, then it opens it up into, it's just so much easier that the expectation has gotten lower. Now, obviously, most people can appreciate a really good mix. Money on the Grave by Drake and Rick Ross is definitely not it, not even close. It's one of my least favorite mixes I've ever heard in my life. Um, and, and you've always wondered why it sounds like your brain is going to squeeze out of your ears when you listen to that mix. Uh, <laughs> I'm confirming that. I'm confirming that it is harshest crap. Um, but that goes, this is a whole other topic, but that goes to show the importance of making an artist big coming up with an artist now i think going into the whole uh you know how to reference the tracks because a lot of people will ask like you know what's a good record to reference and the reality is it's it's all taste you know it's the same way it's like which mac and cheese is better out the box it's like i, I don't know what you got available you know but um if i had to pull up like records to reference and everything i'm not necessarily looking for a specific artist sound but rather something that stood out for me. And a lot of trap music, like, if the hi-hats are loud and the snare is hitting hard as shit and that kick and 808 are nice and clear, I'm probably going to reference that because way too much trap is harsh, uh, at least on their hi-hats. I've heard a lot of big records where, like, the hi-hats start playing and I just want to turn down the volume. I don't exactly want people listening to my mixes and want, having that experience of wanting to turn it down. I want them to be able to turn it up. So funny enough, like, uh, that's what I was saying, where, like, Young Thug's recent productions, they're not really that harsh or anything. Actually, they're still bright. They're still crispy, but they're not annoying. Can I make the argument that um, out of all the people that show us mixes, and, mm -hmm. and, and this is, this is here, follow my thought process here. Following. But the reason why genre cultures is important yep. is that from a producer's standpoint— to be groundbreaking and different is incredible. From an artist standpoint, it can be very beneficial. But from a mixer's standpoint, it is almost completely inappropriate. Because if I listen to your song, let's say it's a Lil Durk type beat, right? And the mix is wildly different than anything else within that region, right? It's really dark and there's no low end. So it's mixed like a rock record then I will never give a chance to your song. I won't be able to listen to the song as even as a consumer. I'm not talking about a mixer. Of course, a mixer is going to pick it up. But I'm saying we have all have friends that we've shown them our records and they said they couldn't, they, they couldn't listen to it. They obviously couldn't take the time to listen to it because it didn't sound right. Something was a little too different. Something was a little bit too different. So it took away the opportunity for a casual listener to appreciate the record. And the funny thing is, like, that's extremely true because, uh, so, you know, my fiance doesn't do anything that we do in our industry. So I sometimes like to just listen to what she says about songs she's listening to or watch how she goes through Spotify or Tidal because we have both. So, like, seeing how she skips songs, what is it that she's like, oh, she heard something. And that caught her attention, you know, almost as if it was like, a, 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 I guess, a consumer review watching Anna. The funny thing is, you could tell that some of the songs she would stop on are either songs she's already familiar with because she can tell by the tone or she'll hear something that is similar to what she already listens to and then stop on that song, give it about five seconds and be like, hmm, I don't know, it, and then skip.
the and part of that is like familiar tones. And we were talking about that when reference mixing would, you know, are we listening for something that's completely different from what we're used to? Not always. Sometimes we're just in a mood and want to listen to records that are within the same lane. If you're a groundbreaking artist and you're going for a completely different sound, that actually may be working against you if you're too far off the map. Exactly. Now, I would say that almost because there are records out there mm-hmm. that the mix and it being bad, for example, Triple X is one of them. Tentacion or whatever the hell his name is. Um, that when one he dude. released really distorted records. Yeah. That that blew up the like that blew up the internet. Like that was an example. But that I would say that that's not mixing. That's production. Yeah. A creative move like that, uh, like mixing is creative only to a certain degree, and like as a producer, it's your call to distort the entire track. As a mixer, if you distort the entire track, you're immediately fired. Like you know so. Yep. So I would say that although mixing is a creative field because it is within the realm of recorded audio and of music, um, it is very important to remember to, as a mixer, it's important to watch the trends and to a certain degree, be an analyst as part of your job, an analyst and, and to work on records in a way that are trending to allow the music to be given a chance by its listener. Oh, yeah. Like, have you ever, I know this has happened to me, um, you, you're working on a pro- uh, project, they say, oh, I really love the way the mix sounds on so-and-so's record. You listen to the record and it's not even close to the lane of what they're doing. But at that point, you're not even listening to the tone, you're listening to the relationship, how it actually Sounds like it may just be that they have less reverb. Yeah. It may just be that their reverb is maybe plentiful, but they have a lot more pre-delay going on. That happens all the time when artists send me reference reference tracks, and I'm sure many people listening right now, as well as you, Lou, mm-hmm. have gotten this. Um, I get a list of three to five reference songs, mm-hmm. and every single one of them is completely sounds different. completely different. Yep. I always tell people, like, let me know which reference songs and why you chose that song. Just give me, like, one or two sentences, if you could, just so I know what I'm looking for specifically. Now, I don't want to discredit the artist and say that they don't know what's going on. They're oblivious Mm -hmm. to everything. But I do want to say that it's also part of our jobs to interpret what our clients want. Absolutely. producer or the artist. So if they send five songs and they all sound totally different... There's something that's related to all five of them. Some sort of spot the sameness in between everything, right? You could say it could be the energy behind the lead. Like the lead sounds powerful in all these. Yeah, it could be like the general volume of the lead vocal. It could be how it's compressed. It could be the tonal balance. It could, it could be, be the how loud the, the guitar is. Vocals. Exactly. It could be how deep the 808 is. It could yep. be like uh, it's so many different things. It could be how annoying that hi-hat is. They just really like really annoyingly loud hi-hats. At that point... But it's our job to interpret. Yeah. And to make it within the realm of accessible. It is our job as mixers to make music accessible to appreciators, to listeners, to fans. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, I guess that's everybody's job other than the artist. Yeah. But uh, I I think that more so for mixing. Like, a bad mix will make me talk shit about you for the rest of your life. I'm just kidding. That's that's I mean, <laughs> I heard what you said about my masters. Jeez. No, I know, <laughs> but I mean like it's it's a bad mix will 
I always say it like this. A bad mix can change the trajectory of the actual end result that you were looking for in a record, creatively speaking. Like, if, if your mix was supposed to sound lo-fi like a, like a trap record typically tends to, then you got to communicate that. But if we make it sound amazing and clear, like Britney Spears quality mix, Justin Timberlake quality mix, as a trap record, and that's not what you were after, no matter what we say about it being better, it's not what you wanted at the end of the day. Can, have you had this experience too where like uh, a, a very good renowned mixer of pop genre mm-hmm. has a mix that's very good technically within the pop realm, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't sound as grimy or right for the song. Sometimes yeah. the griminess is good. Yeah. So I've actually recently had that where um, I received the, because I do a lot of stem mastering for people, I received the stems to to record um and uh first hand listen to it i'm like i hear the mix that they were after but there's certain elements that need to change in order for it to really bring it home but you know this this mixer is great mixer on all other songs that i've heard from them but it was because it was a different genre that it's like ah i hear the the style of mixing was for a different genre than the one that's presented in front of us you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that this this is all encompasses just to at least be conscious of the tonalities of your music. Um, also, from Lou and I's vast experience of listening to people's mixes, um, it is very, very blatantly obvious when you do not reference when you mix. Yeah. Referencing is because you are so far off the field of what we can tell you intended to, to deliver. That it's just like, yo, this is you just losing which way was up. You thought you were diving, you thought you were climbing to the surface of the water while scuba diving, but you were actually just going deeper into the ocean. Like, like this is, it's, it's very obvious when that happens. Um, so we need to, it is important for you, especially as a beginner, to take constant breaks. Oh, yeah. Um, or even, this is, this is for everybody, even advanced, up to advanced level. Take breaks often, reset um, and reference just, even if it's just a moment, I don't think you have to rely too heavily. If you reference too heavy, it'll start hurting your ego. You know, even when you think you got something good, just walk away for a little bit. We did this earlier, DK. I showed you a song I was mastering, came back to it. I'm like, you know what? There's a little bit too much upper mids and highs. And it was literally like a one decibel difference. Yeah. But Literally, even when I thought I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds great. Coming back to it, I was like, oh. And, and I think a healthy amount of referencing is not the entire time. In, sen- in the sense that, like, I have a reference track. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is is I'm referencing back and I'm listening to the reference track every time that I question a move. For example, I don't know how loud the 808 is supposed to be compared to the kick drum. But the reference track will tell me what they were going for. Yep. And I might, I might decide to veer away, but I'm going to listen to the reference track so I can keep the vibe, one, keep the vibe, yep. and two, um, have a reference of, of good sound. A re- a, a reference, uh, the reference would be a demo track, like their demo recording, as well as a track that I think is well mixed of something else completely. Oh, yeah. There's two types of references, right? So the demo track, to, and then you use that to try to keep the vibe and not change it too drastically. And the second reference would be, this is a really well-mixed song with great tonality. And if my vocals doesn't sound even close to that, if my vocals are obviously much brighter or darker than this one, then you're probably off. It's supposed to kind of give you, 
you know, the center of balance again and figure out yeah. what your range of acceptability is as far as mixes go. And that's kind of the funny thing because uh, if, if you were to look at like how, uh, for instance, if I'm mastering a record, I'll ask somebody, send me your mastered version. Like, cause realistically, I want to hear what you guys thought was amazing before sending it to me. Like, cause obviously you, you kind of held on to it. So demoitis is a thing. Your clients may have it. And because of that, if you're referencing only tracks that, uh, that are out on the radio right now, but you're not referencing what they originally intended, then you might be going a little too far left, even if it does sound better, because it may not hold the same feel. There you go. And feel is a thing that's not necessarily tonal it's not necessarily a f- specific frequency content it's literally the vibe of the record and referencing sometimes we forget to check the vibe the last thing that i will say is is practical critical listening um versus non-practical critical listening mm-hmm. for example um Bob is like the king of all the little tricks. Bob Horn, who we've we've done an interview with on previous episodes, amazing mixing engineer. He has an entire, like like a lot of these small little tips and tricks to help improve the sound of your mixes. The and some of them that, are just weird technical like, little things. Like, for example, leaving tonal balance control on your mix bus will slightly change the tone of the song. Yep. Or, or uh, the first version of Saturn by Fab Filter, if you leave it bypass but keep the HQ, the high quality on, the way that the plugin may have been coded, will we'll keep the HQ and the upsample on even if the plugin is bypassed. That's on the first gen only? First gen Saturn only. And then uh, the second thing he talks about is the importance of um, uh, the metering. So pre-fader metering versus post-fader metering has a different sound in Pro Tools. And this has been confirmed by like avid Pro Tools people. Like, yeah, this is a thing. Like people have discovered it. It's very, very subtle. Like half the subtlety of a converter. And I I would argue that it might be partly in people's heads, you know. Um, But... I would say those are non-practical critical listening. Those things do not make or break a mix, and those smallest of nuances will not turn a record that sounds bad into something that sounds good, yep. and a record that sounds good may not change into something that sounds better, relatively speaking. It may, it may or may not. Um, In fact, it might actually cause it to veer left a little. There you go. So I think, and then there's practical listening, which is is not as deep. You don't need to hear what dithering is. Okay. You don't need to hear, um, your upsampling on the plugins. Like that is less practical and more broad sweeps. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing the mid range being a little bit more forward in this one. I'm you know hearing, what? Tonal balance control, bringing that one back, using the little filter listening on it. And not, not bypassing, but I mean like literally using no, 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 the like interface. Using, yeah. Because uh, what is it? Option click on the on the UI for it. Yeah, you so can I focus think it's like alt, range. alt if you're on Windows, option if you're on Mac. Yeah, and, and then that clicking thing, on it. I use that all the time just to make sure that like frequencies aren't clashing with each other in ranges. That'd be practical. But bypassing it to see if tonal balance is doing something that makes or breaks your mix, it, it's not. And guys. that's why people like pay Bob his rate is because he is a freak about this stuff, and I think there's something to say about that. Yeah. 
Um, and I will not discredit Bob in every single way. He is absolutely amazing. He has some of the best ears in the industry. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that knowing that someone else can do that and knowing that you, you have to be able to do, I don't think you have to be able to do that to put out world-renowned mixes. Um, I think that that is would only help but is not necessary in the slightest. So um, I do believe that nothing that we're talking about is within the realm of inaccessible and has to be highly trained. I think this is more within the realm of common sense, easily accessible, just Take the time, take the time to reference, take the time to notice, and then um, use your ears and train your ears to pick up on different things. Focus on the low end, focus on the low mids, focus on the mids, focus Mm -hmm. on the upper mids, focus on the highs, focus on the S's. And notice, notice like when you reference, you're not like pick up on specific details rather than like focusing on the general thing. I think that's the best way to kind of train your ears to pick up the differences, the subtle differences and to practically use a, a, um, a reference track better. Like at first, if you're not really hearing difference or if you're not like, just listen for specific characters, listen to the guitar and the guitar tone, listen for the kick drum, like listen for specific things. And then over time, you'll be able to widen that vision. Your peripherals will start to go deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, wider, wider, wider. And slowly, um, in a slight glance, a, a playback a song, just three seconds, you'll be able to be able to tell everything that that what's right and what's wrong. Be able to yeah. use that practically. So um, it's not this is like a no pressure type thing. Like I don't think you have to try too too hard, but no. this is something that you should take the time and put in the effort. Yeah, just don't overthink it. There you go. At the end, of, yeah. At the end of the day, also don't overthink it. All right. So I think that's a lot of information. I think that's. That's uh, good enough for what's going on. Um, if you have any questions, hit us up on Instagram oh, yeah. at DK Mixes, D E E K E I Mixes, and at Midside Sound. Midside Sound for Lou. Um, if you want some feedback, every Monday night, again, I'm on my Twitch. Um, I have Discord as well. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com and uh, go to our, you can find the Twitch, find the Discord to get in. You'll also find a coupon from our sponsor, Isotope. Oh, Isotope yeah. is one of our favorite plugin companies. They're absolutely amazing. If you go to isotope.com backslash MM podcast, you can get 10% off of your next online order, or you can, and or you can get uh, your first month free of your music production bundle, your monthly bundle from them. Isotope is an absolutely amazing company. We love them. Tonal balance control that we were talking about during oh, this yeah. episode is an Isotope product, um, and it's totally worth it. So I mean, Ozone to, alone. Mm. So you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com back, and then go click on sponsors to find Isotope link, or you can go to isotope.com backslash MM podcast. So thank you so much for listening. We appreciate everyone. Um, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. Yeah.